Thank you for listening to Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church. Our hope is to inspire, refresh, and encourage you to be lights in a dark world. This week, we continue a series called Continue On. If you do find this message inspiring or motivational, please follow Pastor Cedric or Commitment Church on Facebook and Instagram. Download our podcast on Anchor.fm, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. Now, filling in for Pastor Cedric, here's Pastor Mike Jones. Oh, Lord, you're so awesome. Um, You're just such a great God. And I just thank you for who you are, Lord. And I just pray that this morning that you would just use me, Lord. I'm just an empty vessel to be filled by you, God. And just to to preach your word to your people, Lord. And I just pray that it would land on, on soft hearts, Lord, and sensitive ears that are just ready to receive what your word says, God. I pray that only your word would be spoken today, God, and that it would have an impact, Lord, and that there would be changes that could be made, that we would leave here encouraged of your love, that we're children of yours, adopted into your family through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is week two of our sermon series entitled, Continue On, What We've Learned, We Live. And our key verses are from the book of 2 Timothy, and so we're going to take a look at some of the background uh, that we established last week, but it's just a review, and for those of you who aren't with us, kind of want to set the stage here for the foundation of what 2 Timothy is coming from. So 2 Timothy was, uh, well, the sermon purpose, to encourage the body of Christ to avoid the imposters and avoid avoid people and doctrines and any thoughts that would lead you away from continuing on in your faith in Christ and continue on living out. It's all good. Continue on living out the things that they have learned and were taught. Okay, our key scripture is going to be 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 17. Uh, Keep going. Okay. 2 Timothy was written by Paul to his son in the faith, faith, Timothy, encouraging him to stay the course, endure the hardships of ministry, continue on, and do not stop preaching the word. What was the problem? The problem was Timothy was potentially losing focus on what he had been entrusted, entangling himself with the world, frustrated with the people not willing to listen to the truth, struggling to press on, and the temptation of ceasing to preach the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, and so in here, uh, focusing on Timothy's frustrations he might have had, this is 2 Timothy, which means there was a 1 Timothy. And a lot of what was written in 2 Timothy was already written in 1 Timothy, okay? So Paul's writing to encourage him and, you know, provoke him to continue on um, because he was dealing with the same problems. He was probably getting frustrated. You know, Timothy had been at the church of Ephesus for a while, and he was getting frustrated and beat down with all these false teachers that were rising in the church and leading the people astray. Okay? But Paul wants him to continue on. Let's read 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 17. 2 Timothy 3.13 But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and righteousness, for correction and for training in righteousness. So, Paul is now telling Timothy something that he already knew. He had already become convinced. Timothy knew what the word of God said. And Paul is now telling him to continue, which means to remain, abide, and don't depart. He's like, Timothy, you already know this stuff. Continue in it. Don't depart from the work that you set out to do. And so maybe that's you here today. You know the scriptures. Maybe you were born and raised in the church. Maybe you've been attending commitment for a while but you're frustrated, you're beat down. Life's trials can get to you and you can feel like there's a disconnect between you and the Lord. But I'm here to tell you and, and through the word today, I hope you leave here knowing God has not left you. He's right there with you. And knowing that we can continue on in our faith and live the lives that God wants us to live, knowing he's with us every step of the way. Okay, church, that is Really what we're focusing on here today is how can we continue on? And we can continue on, um, and we'll be continuing on. Where Pastor left off last week is that we become convinced, convinced of who Christ is in our lives. And convinced means to make faithful, to render trustworthy, to make firmly persuaded of. And we need to be firmly persuaded that the word of God is true and that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. So how can we do this? Let's turn to Romans 8, 32 through 39. Romans 8, 32 through 39. And we can continue on when we become convinced that we're inseparable from the love of God. Starting in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And I just want to pause there. It says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? And we know the answer is no, no one can. Nothing can, right? But sometimes it can feel that way. Sometimes our own thoughts can have us doubt whether God loves us, whether we're connected to him. Trials of life can come in and knock you from side to side. It can catch you off guard. In verse 36, if you have your Bibles, I just want to point something out, is that it's in all capital letters. And it's in all capital letters up there too. And when you see that in the Bible, that is the author referring to a passage that was already written in the Old Testament, okay? And Paul here is quoting a scripture from Psalm 44. And I just want to look at this for a second because just like we can become discouraged, even David can be, became discouraged. The David and Goliath, God was with them, made him king of Israel, did all these miraculous things in his life, but he still felt discouraged by the trials of life. And I just want to show you a couple verses um, out of Psalm 44. And in the first eight verses, uh, David is 
speaking to God and saying, God, I, I remember the promises you made us. We remember the stories from our fathers of how faithful you were to them in Israel. But, and in, just go through a couple verses. In verse 9, says, Yet you have rejected us and brought us to dishonor, and do not go out with our armies. You cause us to turn back from the adversary, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You give us a sheep to be eaten and have scattered us among the nations. And it kind of goes like that for a while. And I'll pick up again in verse 22 where it starts off where, what, with what Paul had said. But for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? I had never read a psalm like that. I'd never read that chapter before I studied for this. And I was kind of blown away that that's how David felt. Out of everything he had been through, he felt like the Lord had deserted him. But if we pick back up in Romans 8, verse 37, okay? But in all these things, in all these things that we encounter in life, in all these trials, in all the stuff that happens that's inevitable, it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Trials are going to come our way. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us, through Jesus Christ. We have victory over all these trials. We have victory not only in this life, but the life to come. For I am convinced... I am firmly persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Christ Jesus, through him we have the victory. Amen. That's not we have victory because we have no trials in our life. We have victory because we have him with us through those trials. And that no matter what those, no matter what happens to you on this earth, when you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are going to spend eternity with him. That's the victory. Now, we're, we're, we're fortunate to have small victories here on earth sometimes, right? You know, we're, we're praying to God for, for that job or for that, that spouse or for, for financial peace, you know, and, and sometimes we have victory there, but sometimes we don't, okay? But no matter what, the love of God through Jesus is how we continue on. We can continue on in that, knowing he's always with us. Nothing can separate us. That's God's love for us. John 3.16, everybody knows it. For God so loved the world. For God so loved Put your name there. For God so loved you that he sent his son to die for you. It's not God so loved the world that he made your life easy. It's not God so loved you so much that, you know, life was just candy land and everything was good. It's not. But he loved us so much he gave us hope for an eternal future, a perfect, painless future with him forever and that should be enough for us church and nothing can separate us that, from that so we can continue on and we're convinced of God's love for us when we're convinced of God's love for us we should be convinced that we should now show that love back 
It's a reciprocal relationship that we have. I mean, if knowing what I just said, I mean, there's a heart of gratitude that comes from that. It's like, God, thank you so much. Because of what you've done for me, I just want to please you. What does that look like? And are we living out that love for him? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, and we'll start in verse 6. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. So it should be our ambition, and the word ambition here means to love or seek after honor. So we should be seeking after honoring the Lord with our lives. Our ambition while we're here on this earth is to live lives that are pleasing to him. And, and it says earlier in there, he's talking about how we know that when we die, for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we die, we're going to be with him. And sometimes, depending on where you're at in life, you know, your kids are driving you nuts or life is just crazy. You're like, Lord, just take me now. Just, I'll just go be with you now. I'll just sit on the sidelines during this life. I can't take it no more. And I'll just be happy when I see you. Okay? But that shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. We should be living our lives always to be pleasing to him while we have the opportunity here on this earth. Verse 10. For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So we should be pleasing God because we want to honor him, okay? We should also be trying to live lives that are pleasing to God because we are going to be judged one day for it, okay? And I want to make something that's a little clear is that, yes, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will not be judged in the afterlife and separated from Christ. That judgment is its own thing, and that's reserved for those who did not accept the gift of salvation, okay? But there's another judgment that we believers are going to have to face, and we're still going to have to stand before a holy God and give account for what we've done for him. Verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. So therefore... (laughs) Knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing that we're going to be standing before him in judgment, and that fear, yes, it's respect, but that same definition is also terror, which is like a strong word for being scared. You should be shook that you're going to be standing before the Lord, okay? And knowing that, Paul's like, knowing that, we persuade men. All right, I'm going out there. I'm getting to work. I'm not messing around with that. I don't want to be standing before an angry God. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God is what the Bible says. And he's given us this wonderful gift of salvation. We should be living that out. And we should be a little nervous that one day we're going to be standing before God giving an account. And I hope that that kind of stirs you up a little bit. And it should. That's a healthy thing. It's a healthy heart check. You know, it's not to discourage you or to be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm never going to be perfect. No, of course not but we can certainly try our best so that when we're reunited with the Lord, it's not, oh, I'm so sorry. What did I do? Because you're going to know it right away, right? But you're going to be like, oh, I love you. I did my best. I'm so glad to see you. And he'll feel the same towards you. Uh, Verse 12, we are not again commending ourselves to you, 
but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. And so Paul is reinforcing why should we be living lives that are pleasing to the Lord? Because that can encourage others who see it. The word manifest here is to make visible or to bring to light. And it's not to bring to light ourselves. It's not look at me. It's look at God working through me. And when other people can see that in you, it encourages them to do what they got to do. This, this whole experience of being a Christian, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about doing it solo. It's all the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We all function as one unified body, okay? And when we live out our lives in ways that are pleasing to him, it can take others who are struggling and lift them up. And it goes back and forth. There's days where I'm struggling and I have solid brothers in Christ who may not be struggling that day. They're standing pretty firm and they build me up. And it goes likewise. When they're having a bad day, Lord willing, I'm, I'm you know, staying connected to the Lord, prayed up, fessed up, loving them. And it's like, bro, you, you know what the word says. Let's continue on in this thing together. So circling back to this thought of facing judgment before the Lord. It can be a scary thing, right? But it, it doesn't have to be a scary thing. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4, and we'll start in verse 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who, the one who fears is not perfected in love. Okay, now, the word of God is beautiful, and it is very applicable to multiple things. And a lot of times, this scripture is used for not being afraid of things on this earth and not letting the fears of this world consume you. And totally true, this verse can certainly encourage you in that way, okay? But what this verse is really saying in this context is that you don't have to have fear when you're standing face-to-face -face with the Lord, when you've been perfected in that love that he has for you and you're living your life the best that you can. When you're living a life that's pleasing for the Lord, you're giving it your best effort, that reuniting that you're going to have with the Lord can be a beautiful, sweet thing. When we have this love in us, when we've been filled up and we're living it out, we should be ready to give that love to each other. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians 3. We'll start in verse 13. One of my favorites, I love this passage, I really do. I'm really big on all of us doing this together. I'm a big social loving guy and I just want us all to get along and do this thing. And, and uh, so this verse really, really speaks to my heart as it pertains to the body of Christ. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive others. Okay. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. We got to be loving each other, man. 
We're the body of Christ. We're supposed to be making an impact in our community and the people around us where it needs to be a beautiful, unified thing that other people are attracted to. And back in in 1 John 4, it says that if we say we love God, but we hate our brother, that we're liars and the truth isn't in us. And there's no possible way we can love the Lord the way he calls us to if we have beef with every person that rubs us the wrong way here on this earth. It can't be like that. We're, we're too forgiven. You know what you've been forgiven of? You know. I know. <laughs> and so with that, how could I withhold forgiveness from people around me who might, might have said something that offended me, might have done me wrong, you know, maybe was never around, and so that's the problem. Sure, there's a lot of stuff that can weigh us down and people are going to let you down but we need to forgive them because we've been forgiven we got to give that to others we got to love others that's how we show love for the lord not just saying god i love you singing the songs reading the scriptures but putting it into action and really loving people around you i would encourage you if you if 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 you read that verse and and i would imagine if if there's something that you're holding on to, uh, uh, unforgiveness in your heart, when you hear those verses and you think about not loving your brother, somebody comes to mind. And I would just encourage you, you got to handle that. There's no way you could fully embrace this love relationship that we can have with the Lord if you still have that going on. Give it to him. Just say the words. I was in that situation where I had somebody who I just was holding a grudge, okay? And I prayed to the Lord, and I, and I was very open with them. It can be like this. I was like, God, you know I don't even like this person. You know I'm having trouble even meaning this prayer, and I feel a little phony, but God, I, I work in my heart so that this prayer can become real. And, yo, the, I wish I, I, I don't, it's not about me, but, Ask me afterwards when you get the chance. Like, God showed up so miraculously that that relationship could not be better now. Okay? And that's what he'll do. And when you see him work in that person that you prayed for, that's when you become convinced that he's real. That's when you know we need instances that we can draw back on and say, yeah, I'm convinced. Yeah, I'm firmly persuaded. Because I've seen God do this. I've seen God do that. But if we never give God the opportunity... We're never going to be convinced. We're never going to see him work. Give him the chance to work in people's lives and give him the chance to work in your life and work on your heart. And boy, that you, you will be convinced of who God is and you will be excited to tell others about who he is. And you'll really know in your heart, you won't feel that separation from him that can come and trick us and deceive us. You'll know that he loves you and that you love him. When we continue on, we can continue on when we become convinced now that this love relationship is working the right way, that we're stewards of the word of God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 4. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. 
In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. Steward here means the, the manager of the household affairs entrusted to manage the affairs of the head of the house. Who's the head of the house? The Lord is. And we should be managing his affairs first. And what is that? That's spreading the love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling others that Jesus died and rose again for them and that God loves them. This, this mysteries here is in verse one, it's referring to non-believers because non-believers hear about Jesus Christ and hear about him dying on a cross and rising third day and virgin birth and stuff like that. It's like, what are you, what are you talking about, man? Like you're, you're crazy, okay? It's a mystery of them, but it's not to us. Our eyes have been open. Our hearts have been open. And we know that God is true. We know that what his word says is true. And so we live that out for others. We are responsible to do that. We have a great responsibility to be living that and showing that to people around me. And let's circle back to 1 Timothy, where Paul repeats this a couple times to Timothy. So, and we'll take... A couple of passages starting in 1 Timothy, and, and we'll make our way back to conclude at our original text here. 1 Timothy 1.12. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Okay, so just as Christ put Paul into service, he's putting all of us into service. He's putting us to work. 1 Timothy 6.20. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. And so when I read this, we need to guard the word of God. We need to guard our testimonies. We need to make sure that we're above reproach. And so when I read this, I think that we, we don't have to get involved with every argument. We don't have to tell everybody what we're against. We need to tell them what we're for. We're for Jesus Christ. We're for him working in our lives. People know what Christians believe. They know what we don't believe in. Okay? We don't need, you know, if the, if the opportunity presents itself and you have a chance to pour into somebody, sure, you can put that. We don't need to be blasting on Facebook everything that we disagree with that comes down the pike. Everybody knows. Okay? And the word of God is out there. They know the deal. We need to be putting out love, Jesus, him working in our lives, how awesome he is, and how much that should bring us together. That's what's going to draw people to the Lord. And I would encourage you guys, that's what we're stewards of. Jesus Christ. I can, I'm going to feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's so true. That's it. Jesus loves you. Nothing can change that. And because of that, I love him, knowing humbly who I am. And he loves me anyway. And he allows me to be used. He gives me the privilege of standing here talking to you guys about the word. I'm nobody. But I love him, and I want you guys to as well, and I hope you guys know that. And let that work in your lives and carry that in your daily life when you leave here. Back in 2 Timothy, where we started, in verse 14, 
Paul is saying, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. And so what this is insinuating is that at one time, Timothy was not convinced. He didn't know. And it, and it even said in 15 that he had uh, learned the sacred writings from childhood. So he knew the Old Testament pretty much. He didn't have the New Testament this time. But Timothy was raised as a child in the scriptures. But he wasn't convinced until he left his comfort zone, went with Paul on this great missionary journey, okay, and then saw God move in miraculous ways. Then he became convinced. Then he became firmly persuaded. Can you imagine the things he saw establishing the first churches ever? Seeing thousands of people come to know the Lord? That'll convince you, okay? But Timothy needed to be encouraged again, even though he saw that. He needed to be encouraged. Continue on. Know who you believe in and what he's capable of doing in your life and the life of those around you. And he was only able to do this when he got up and moved. He knew all the scriptures, but it wasn't until Timothy got up and went with Paul and experienced the Christian life and put himself out there that he was able to really be convinced of who God was. And that's what I want to encourage you with today, church. That's how you can become convinced that you're inseparable from God's love. You can be convinced that you're loving God the way you're supposed to, that you're stewarding the word of God responsibly, is by going out there and putting what you know into action. We can come here on Sunday and listen to, to Pastor or me or Pastor Jose or anybody preach and present the information. But that's not what draws us closer to the Lord. It's not feeling good while you're sitting here. It's getting to work and showing people what that love looks like when we leave. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the love that you show us, that unconditional love. Lord, thank you for, for working in our lives, Lord. And I just pray that today, Lord, we would become convinced that you love us, grateful that you love us, so glad that you love us the way you do, Lord, and out of hearts overflowing with gratitude, I pray that we would show that love outside of these four walls. I pray that we would show that love inside these four walls to each other, Lord. Lord, work in the hearts of your people. Work in my heart, Lord. Continue to change us, Lord. Let us not grow comfortable, but let us be stirred to always draw closer to you, to be constantly reminded. And Lord, I pray that your word today was a good reminder of truths that we already know, Lord, but that we would continue on and live this out in our personal lives, Lord, outside of here. Thank you so much, God, for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. I thank you for your word that's alive, Lord. And I pray that it would change lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church. If you would like to learn more about Jesus Christ, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org. This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you have made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you would like to support God's Word through this ministry by visiting www.commitmentchurch.org. You can also visit loveallnations.org for more information 
and to receive encouraging videos. Lastly, if you or your family reside in the South Jersey area, please visit us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. May God bless you and have a wonderful day.